This is the sermon podcast of Lord of Life Lutheran Church in Columbus, Ohio, where we proclaim God's extravagant grace, radical inclusion, and relentless compassion. Join us for worship Sundays at 8 a.m., 9 a.m., or 11.15 a.m. This is Lord of Life. There is a place for you here. For more information, please visit our website at www.acceptingall.com. The first lesson is from the 19th chapter of 1 Kings. Elijah went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a solitary broom tree. He asked that he might die. It is enough now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the broom tree and fell asleep. Suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, Get up and eat. He looked, and there at his head was a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. He ate and drank and lay down again. The angel of the Lord came a second time, touched him, and said, Get up and eat, otherwise the journey will be too much for you. He got up and ate and drank. Then he went in the strength of that food forty days and forty nights to Horeb, the mount of God. Holy Wisdom, Holy Word. My, uh, I'm one of three siblings. My brother is the middle one, and he has, since he was a kid, been known for being incredibly stubborn. He can get these blinders on, and when he's going to do something, he's going to do it. And one of those little stories that gets passed down in all families, I suppose. In this case, it was my brother just banging his head against this glass door because he wanted to go through and couldn't get it open. And my mother being scared to death that he was going to get it open one way or another. Well, he uh, grew up, became a somewhat confirmed bachelor carpenter, and then unexpectedly married late in life. And then after a couple years of trying to have children, he and his wife realized that it just wasn't going to happen, and so they decided to adopt. And they went to the Ukraine thinking they were going to come back with one gurgling, happy baby, and instead came back with three sisters, three, five, and seven all of them with problems. The youngest one was unresponsive, didn't speak. Um, the middle one had scars from physical abuse. The eldest one was charming, attentive, just uh, lovingly looked after her younger sisters. But as time went by, it became apparent that she had her own difficulties. That she was unable to pass off that mothering role that she had for her two younger siblings. She was never able to give that to her new adopted mother. And as sometimes happens 
because she had been adopted later in life, she was unable to bond with her new parents, unable to give or receive love from them, or indeed from anyone. Shortly after the adoption, my brother's wife died, and suddenly here's this guy who never expected to get married, let alone have three girls, let alone raise them by himself. So my parents moved in to help him raise these girls. But one of the heartbreaking things was watching this eldest, watching Larissa on this trajectory that we seemed powerless to stop. As time went on, as she came into her teen years, she got into more and more trouble. She started using drugs. She got into prostitution. All these things, not because of who she was, but because of who she had been made in those years before she was adopted. To my shame, it took me a long time to understand that she couldn't do anything but what she did. That that course had already been set. And in spite of all the love that was given to her by this stubborn carpenter father who was determined to love these girls and raise them no matter what. And his parents who surrounded him and her with another layer of love. We couldn't change that trajectory. I kept trying to get them to raise some kind of barrier between them and her because I saw the damage that she was doing to the family. And they couldn't and wouldn't do that. But it gets me wondering when Jesus says, believe in me, come to me, and I will raise you up on the last day. The work of God is to believe in the one God has sent. I wonder where does that leave someone like Larissa? Where does that leave these people who for reasons beyond their control, cannot understand the love that is being given them, cannot accept the love that is being given to them. I don't know if she believed. I don't know if she was capable of believing. But I know that she needed what Christ was offered. Our first reading opens like a stage production. And from stage left staggers in an old man who's gone a day's walk into the wilderness and he collapses center stage saying, take away my life, it is enough. I'm no better than my ancestors. It's a story 
of which we only get one small part. Before Elijah staggers in, he has done wonderful and great things. And in time to come, he will anoint kings and prophets in his stead. But all we can see today is this despairing, exhausted, dispirited old man collapsed beneath a lone broom tree. I'm no better than my ancestors. I think maybe we all begin with the hope that somehow we're going to be better than our ancestors. That we're going to do things better than our parents did or their parents did. That we're going to be smarter, wiser, make better choices. But somewhere along the line, I think it's called midlife crisis. We realize we're no better than our ancestors. We are just one of us. Precisely because we are one of us. Why would we think that we would be any better? This figure of Elijah, he's on his way to the holy mountain, Mount Horeb, otherwise known as Mount Sinai, on which God dwelt in fire and wind and glory. He's on his way there, but he can't make it. He doesn't have the strength. He doesn't have the ability. And so he lies down to die in the wilderness. Unable to come to the mountain, the God of the mountain comes to him and bakes him bread and gives him water. Not once, but twice. One of the beautiful little details of that story that he wakes him up, feeds him, and says, you go back to sleep. Rest up. Feeds him again and then sends him on his way. Eat lest the journey be too great for you. I am the bread of life who comes down from heaven so that you might not die. The one who calls for belief is also the one who meets us in the midst of our desert. Whether that desert be physical, mental, spiritual, meets us in the midst of our inability, our exhaustion, our disbelief, and feeds us. I've often struggled with the whole idea of, of what does belief look like? What does it mean? Does it mean I have to gather up all my strength and believe in something that I, and, and believe that something's true that I, I, I have trouble imagining is true? Does it mean that I believe a certain creed? Does it mean that, I don't know. But sometimes the only belief, belief that I can muster is belief that pulls me forward 
and opens my hand at God's table. The belief that simply says, feed me. And God comes to that wilderness and bakes me bread and gives me water and ushers me into the next day of my journey. I'm not sure where the journey will take me or you or any of us, but I know that this this bread for travelers, this bread for the road, is bread that we so desperately need. It is bread that draws us ever onward toward that greater feast that waits for us. The feast that Isaiah describes set there on top of the mountain where all people are gathered in. All people are gathered in. And the one who feeds Elijah surely will feed Larissa. Surely will feed me. Surely will feed you. It may not be the feast we want today, but it will be enough so that the journey will not be too great for us. A little bit of bread, a little bit of wine, and a companion on the road. Amen.